Hi, my name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why, well, why not? And today's what is going to be a delightful trip down the streets of a forum known as DefensiveCarry.com. Now, DefensiveCarry.com is a place to discuss all of your defensive weapon carrying topics. And I'm not talking about your nunchucks, your brass knuckles, although maybe brass knuckles, your switchblades. This is a defensive carry of firearms for the most part. I'd say 99% of the discussions are about carrying firearms. Open concealed, closed concealed, I don't know, but concealing weapons and whatnot. And so, today I will read to you from this forum that I have already mentioned, DefensiveCarry.com. Now, in full open disclosure, I am not a gun-carrying person. I live in New York City. Well, of course, then you need a gun, right? Because it's so dangerous. Actually, New York is pretty safe. Most major cities are pretty safe. Except for the chuds, of course. Tired joke, but whatever. So, let's dive right in to the discussions at DefensiveCarry.com. And so the first post I'll read from DefensiveCarry.com is located in the DefensiveCarry.com forums, subforum related topics, subforum home brackets and away from home defense discussion in a thread entitled, What to do if there is a riot in your town? which was started by OP Wrong Rec Room, and it goes like this. What to do if there's a riot in your town? Reading another thread on the LA riots made me think and want to ask, do you take note of possible riot issue, bracket, trials, etc., and do you have any ideas slash plans if riots break out? From some people I know, the chance is small of this happening, brackets, small town living and all. But for those who live in big cities with big city issues, it is something to think about. To me, this is a unique and more likely survivable situation than most of the SHTF ideas, that stands for shit hits the fan, be it food riots or whatever. Also, to me, one of the few SHTF that would really benefit from having body armor and EBR on check. And he has a link to photos from the 1992 Los Angeles riots. Yeah. Rodney King being beaten, and whatnot. And the big one ad writes, Matt Bracken's quote-unquote When the Music Stops essay got me thinking about the same thing. I want a full-size 9mm with lots of rounds, brackets, CZ75B, Beretta 92FS, G7, etc., and EDC for that environment, as well as something like a powerful short-stock carbine as a car gun. Currently, I look towards something small and comfortable for the EDC. That all changes if we have widespread discontent. I could deal with discomfort or more clothing to tote around more firepower. No body armor, though. I hate that stuff. Besides, I think it would be a mob beating people's heads in more than getting shot as a threat, and body armor ain't gonna help that. And Ghost1958 writes, Probably a quote-unquote riot around here would have to take applications for a month to get enough folks to hold one worth having, lol. I do if traveling more than a few miles from home or overnight take a couple of boxes of extra ammo or if in the truck, the SKS, and about 200 rounds along, but not for riots. More to do with natural disasters like floods or tornadoes, etc., and I get stuck away from home or walking back. Or an alien attack or zombie apocalypse. You never can be too ready for those. And Common Sense writes... Cut off food stamps and you'll have riots nationwide overnight. And Sai Gagai writes, 
I don't understand the whole quote-unquote let's destroy public property and local business mentality. We had a quote-unquote riot in 1996 here in St. Pete after a cop shot a black man. Basically, my quote in the first sentence explains what the outcome was. Lock your doors, grab a gun, and sit on the porch. I thought there were going to be riots in Sanford FL, bracket Central Florida, after the Zimmerman trial, but I do not think there were any. Edit, oh, and we have black power Uhuru extremists, brackets, Black Panthers, I think they were in the 60s. But I rarely hear much about them other than them trying to file lawsuits with the city of St. Pete slash police. And Ghost1958 writes, I've been through some cities when riots were going on when I drove a semi. What always boggled my mind is the rioters usually tear down their own neighborhood. Kind of like getting mad and burning your own house. Boggled eyes emoticon. And Saiga Guy writes again. Exactly. Basically, a major issue a few months ago in the run for St. Pete mayor was quote-unquote Midtown. It's an area just south of downtown St. Pete where these people burned down, looted, and trashed the whole area. They, and I'm using the term loosely, want the city to fund and revive the area. Well, first off, these people should not have trashed the area and basically bankrupt small local businesses who lost everything. Violence is the answer in these people's minds. And Sig is the answer, writes, I would escort my family out with my P516 and loaded for war. Also have my pistol. I would give my fiancé my PX4 and all the mags for it and leave her and our little girl in a safe area in the care of my family or hers. I would then return home and guard my homestead and all our belongings. Deadly force is authorized. And Secret Spuck writes, Here we go again. Two screaming emoticons. Ghost hit the nail on the head. For a riot, you need people. That's why they mostly happen in the inner city. I'll never understand the reason why some members seem to hope and look forward for a riot. Another thing that wobbles my mind is why people assume that only black people will riot. What's really funny is those who assume having a pistol with a lot of bullets will make some positive difference during a riot. And Batty writes... I don't think anyone who knows what a riot really looks like, brackets either through research or actually having been through one, hopes one will happen in their area. I do have to say, I think being armed during a riot is better than not being armed, but you are right. One person with a pistol doesn't stand much of a chance. Now, eight guys with rifles, shotguns, and pistols? That's a game changer. To answer the OP, if there was rioting in my area, I would try to keep a low profile and make sure all my mags were loaded. However, I think the last meaningful riot out in this area was the Whiskey Rebellion, brackets around 1789. And Rockin' Glock writes, Personally, I don't think the likelihood is quote-unquote high out here, but I have adult children in two major cities that keep their vehicles at least 50% full of fuel, emergency supplies ready, and plans. If localized events heighten risks, their preparations and planning step up. Colorado Springs doesn't have the population densities and Manitou Springs lacks the energy. Otherwise, we have too many guns out here in the sticks. We don't have many home invasions either. And Hodad writes, If you don't live in the part of the city that is prone to violence and civil disobedience in the first place, you probably don't have much to worry about. For some illogical reason, rioters tend to wreak havoc in their own neighborhoods. Suits me. And NC Bullseye writes, Even the small-town thugs have the big city mentality. Always have a plan to stay armed, aware, and away from the action until the quote-unquote fire sale signs are up. Just like you prep for hurricanes and ice storms, have enough on hand that you don't have to get to a store until the quote-unquote thugnado is over. And Rockin' Glock writes, To those of you that infer race in this equation, and those to you that infer quote-unquote anticipation, or those that infer someone else gleefully quote-unquote anticipates a riot, or charge someone with inferring race with quote-unquote code words, 
get a grip. Leave your attitudes and holier-than-thou attitudes at the door. These inferences are stupid, to say the least. In poor taste, inappropriate, and will result in direct action by moderators. Direct action, not inferred action. If you have a problem with a post, report it by clicking on the little triangle at the bottom left corner, report it, then shut up or leave. Let the mods do their jobs. We're highly paid, you know. Maggie is not PC, never has been, and never will. And Ace Oki writes, My thoughts of quote-unquote bugging in always come back to ending up in some FEMA camp, quote-unquote, for our own good. Squinty eyes emoticon. And Sigs writes, My friends and neighbors don't riot. And Secret Spuck adds, Yet. And we'll move from there to a new thread in the DefensiveCarry.com forums, subforum Defensive Carry Discussions, subforum Concealed Carry Issues and Discussions, in a thread entitled The Official Quote Unquote Restroom Thread by new member BFR57. And it goes like this I thought of this the other day as I was at a restaurant using the urinal. It's a really bad situation as your back is turned away from the door or what's behind you. Not bragging here, but your hands are taking care of business and you're in a really precarious position with quote-unquote it hanging out. After analyzing the situation, I've started using stalls with slash doors, locking them and staying observant to anyone in the restroom or coming in. And W.M. Hoth writes, I've thought of that too. One more reason I hate public restrooms. And Frogbones replies, A guy tried to rough me up in a restroom once. I had a rival team jersey on. He ended up getting peed on and, uh, during the shock of that, caught an elbow in the face all the while I was, quote-unquote, hanging out, was at a baseball game in Houston. And Retsupt99 writes, Perhaps peepers will be pooping their pants if peeping into private and personal places and perhaps their pupils focus on the front sights of a custom 45. Googly eyes emoticon. I'm just saying. Nodding emoticon. I seldom use public restrooms, but if it's a must, I try to get or wait for the handicap stall, and my sidearm is in waiting. I'm aware of who enters and leaves. Stay armed, even when doing impotent, quote-unquote, paperwork. Stay safe. And high voltage ads. I look for the last urinal farthest away from the door, if it's available. That way I can keep my peripheral vision on what's coming in. And Grass 101 writes, I just go to the bathroom and take care of business. If anyone wants to start something, I'll take care of it when it happens. And C9H13NO3 writes, I've always considered a public urinal to be a perfect place to get easily disarmed. You can't really see behind you, your hands are probably in front of you, and it wouldn't be hard for someone to grab your weapon from you if they noticed somehow you were carrying, brackets, maybe an accidental print. And... Sassumers writes, I always take note of my surroundings before even going in a restroom, and if I'm in a large venue, say a sporting event, I will wait for a stall and lock it while I'm doing my thing. More importantly for me, since I can't be in there with her, I am concerned about my wife using the bathroom. I always stay right outside the door with an ear very closely attuned to the sound of her voice should it rise. And Duck Almighty writes, I'm handicapped, and I always use a stall. There have been several robberies and stabbings committed in restrooms. And El Counter adds, It all goes back to situational awareness. If I can't use peripheral vision, or I can't use the reflections in glass-covered pictures or certain chrome fixtures, I'll look for a stall with door. I don't like people walking around behind me while I'm otherwise preoccupied. And if the pooper peepers come by, my preoccupation with them will be peaked, causing me to pee on my pistol as I pull it for presentation. Top that, Rhett. And Bandit383 writes, 
paranoid run amok. Nothing wrong with noting surroundings, but to use a stall because I'm afraid they're going to get me? Don't think so. Rick. And Saifu writes, My dad was mugged while he stood at a urinal in a restroom in a very nice hotel in the early 1980s. The mugger took his gold watch and wallet and the cash he had in his front right pocket. My father was armed with a S&W 38 in an Alexi ankle holster and was caught completely off guard. My dad was unhurt and the robber was never caught. It just goes to show how vulnerable we are when we are in public restroom, either with your pants down or using the urinal. Frowning emoticon. And Hot Guns writes, The only smart way to do it is in a stall. No one can get in. If someone tries, you can lean back on the door. Paranoid? No. Smart? Yes. And John Smith writes, Good point. Lots of guys learn this at a young age. For example, when I was in middle school, it wasn't uncommon for your buddies to burst into the bathroom and start pelting you with quote-unquote hornets, tightly folded pieces of paper launched from rubber bands, while you were taking a leak. No defense. Freaked out emoticon. And United 93 writes, I prefer to use a stall. At least it places a physical barrier between me and a potential threat, giving me time to react if something happens. Also, I stay aware of who is there and who enters. Using the urinal puts you in a very bad spot if someone decides to attack you randomly. And if someone is planning to attack you, you're giving them a great opportunity. Remember, criminals already have the element of surprise, brackets more or less, on their side. No need to give them even more of an edge. O-M-O. And Peanut adds, I stand in front of the urinal and pee backwards. People assume that I'm nuts and leave me alone. Just kidding. Like everything else, I tailor my behavior to the circumstances. In a busy place, a urinal is okay. At 4 a.m., I'm going for a stall furthest from the door. And Ramrod adds, I have... (laughs) I have thought about it. I have pretty much thought that standing at a wall urinal is a good place to get hit with a kick to the middle of the back and put you in the hospital forever. Emergencies do arise on occasion, and when you gotta go, you gotta go. Survey this scene inside and outside, and make your best tactical decision as to when and where will reduce your risks. We're only talking 20 to 30 seconds here. Getting it out and in may require two hands, but during the act should only require one or none unless you're playing with it. And... PPK Heat writes, all too true. Or having your face slash head slammed against the wall in front of you. No doubt, quote unquote, urinal time leaves you vulnerable. And Ken Potex writes, I know a guy who had that exact thing happen to him at a bar. It seems that someone had taken offense to something he supposedly did, brackets, he had no clue as he didn't know the guy and they hadn't exchanged words. Guess the guy thought he was giving him a dirty look or something. Anyway, he was using the urinal and this guy he had never seen walked past him as if heading for a urinal farther down the line and slammed his face into the wall. Ever since he told me that story, I've had a mental block about using a urinal if anyone else is around. I usually just wait for a stall. And Chi Wee SZ writes, I always use a stall, even at church. And that thread goes on for another, a full 22 pages discussion about whether or not to use the urinal or whatever. But we'll move on from that thread to a new thread. And we'll move from that thread into a new thread in the DefensiveCarry.com forums subforum Defensive Carry Discussions subforum Carry in Defensive Scenarios in a thread started by Doug Roche entitled, I almost drew my weapon today. And it goes like this. 
Ran down to the gas station earlier today to pick up ice and some beverages for the game tomorrow. And as I was walking to the register, a frumpy woman walks in, jumps in front of me, plops her giant purse on the counter, and asks for $20 gas on pump number 8. She hands the cashier a card, and the cashier responds that they do not accept EBT for gas. She responds that she used to work across town for the same chain of gas stations, and that he needed to do X, Y, and Z on his register for it to work. The cashier responds that he was told not to do X, Y, and Z by his boss, and asks for another form of payment. The woman blows up and proceeds to call him every name in the book, threatens to have him fired, etc., then calms down and plays nice begging him to do it, which he again declines. By this point, I had already backed up a few more steps from the two behind her I had been, almost bumping into a woman who I hadn't noticed get in line behind me during the tirade of insults by the other woman. Brackets. Yeah, I know I need to work on the SA for that. SA stands for Situational Awareness. After a few more attempts to convince the cashier to do as she asks, she pulls a kitchen knife out of super purse and begins waving it around, threatening to cut the cashier if he doesn't comply. At this point, I drop the items in my hand and yank up the tail of my shirt and grip my weapon without unholstering, waiting for the woman's next move. The woman in line behind me sees I'm armed and loudly says, quote unquote, if you're a cop, you need to do something. The first woman whips around and asks me if I'm a cop, which I give her a nod no. At this point, is can, is a nod a no, or is that only for yes? I'm not sure. Sorry. At this point, I tell the cashier to go ahead and do as she asks before someone gets hurt, and that I would be his witness to his boss, and he had no other choice. The cashier went ahead and ran the EBT card for gas, and the woman drops the knife in mega purse and heads out to pump her gas, and the cashier calls 911. The cops arrive before the woman finishes pumping her gas, and she gets cuffed and stuffed while the rest of us who are in the store give statements. The cops asked if I had a carry permit after the other woman told them that she saw me about to draw my gun, but they never asked to see it. One cop seemed to act like I did the right thing, but the other seemed to think the situation hadn't escalated to the point where I should have even thought about drawing. All in all, I think I reacted appropriately, and in hindsight, the only thing I would have done differently is not give all my attention to the early situation and not notice the other woman getting in line behind me. And Mike, 1956, you had several options available to you, and the one you exercised worked out for everybody. I'm not sure what cop number two was thinking, but since everyone has an opinion, I wouldn't give much never mind to his. And Enzo411 writes, IMO, you did the right thing and de-escalated a situation that could have got a lot worse. In hindsight, and a lesson you've just taught me and everyone else who reads this, if she was with another person who could have come up behind you, so you always need to be aware of your surroundings. Glad everything turned out put good. And Farside Fan 1 writes, Angry person with a weapon, knife, or gun has in hand within 21 feet? Yeah, weapon should be out. No question. Cop is an untrained idiot. If he wants to face perps like this with his gun in his holster, he is not long for the job. Not if he works at something other than parking meters. I read an excellent article in AR-15 magazine about when to put hand on weapon, when to draw, and when to shoot. If the other party already has gun in hand, you are late to the party. At any rate, distance is your friend, and you correctly evaluated the need to shoot or not shoot, brackets not in this case, good work. Consider sending the chief of police a note about distance and reaction action times because his officer clearly doesn't have a clue. And Tauray adds, the unbreakable rule is, quote unquote, if someone has a weapon in their hand, you should too. She has a knife, you had a gun, you win. 16 or 60, blind, deaf and dumb, crazy or sane, if you pull a weapon on me, I will shoot you. I have drawn, but that is me. You went with what you thought was best and it worked for you. Glad no one got hurt. But what would you have done if she attacked you or someone else before you had time to draw? A kitchen knife is no joking matter and can kill as quickly as a bullet. 
and wrong rec room ads. She had a weapon and was hitting striking range of you or a bystander, so I would say hand on steel was a good move. I am OP. Boy, some people be crazy. Also, that must have been a large purse. As a side note, this is why I like pocket carry. No one realized that you have hand on iron till it comes time. And wannabe CPA writes, You did the right thing in my opinion. The only thing different would have been I would have drawn my weapon. As far as that cop goes, he's a moron. He probably has a complex about quote-unquote civvies having a weapon. And Longstreet adds, I agree 100% with the second cop. You were not being threatened and the woman was not in a position to injure the clerk. You had no business at that point inserting yourself into a situation that did not involve you. My recommendation is for you to seek training to learn when and when not to become involved. In this incident, as you have described it, you erred. And Mike1956 adds, I have had the training you are recommending, and I probably would have gone off the X and drawn. Go figure. And Lee1973 adds, He is standing behind a person with a knife in hand. You don't know how crazy she is, if she is on meth or not. When would you draw? After the knife is slashing your flesh? And Old and Fat writes, your best weapon is your mind, and you used it very well. Your quick thinking de-escalated an increasingly violent situation. If she threatened the clerk, she was likely in range to do him harm, and you if you were only a few steps away from her. I must take exception to quote-unquote Longstreet's post. His reluctance to take preparations to defend himself might have grave consequences for him someday. I hope I could react as good as you if a sit ever arises. Well done, sir. And the OP Doug Roche responds to Longstreet's post as well to say, I have to disagree. The woman was within arm's length of the cashier and easily could have taken a swipe at him with the knife. Although I was bothered by the fact that she was trying to commit EBT fraud, I never considered drawing until she pulled the knife. Even when she pulled the knife, I never drew my weapon. There was a huge difference in my mind between preparing to draw, brackets, which is all I did, and drawing and pointing a gun at someone. I prepared myself to draw. As if she took a swipe at the cashier with the knife, my intent was to go full draw regardless of if she made contact or not. Move to a position where the cashier was not in my line of fire and demand she drop the knife and only shoot if she continued her attack on the cashier or came at me. And Rob Hick writes, what you should have done was, one, pull your ninja hood down, two, take out a shoestring, three, garret the knife-wielding woman before she could injure anyone, four, kick the corpse to the side, five, conduct your business, six, call an ambulance, seven, go home, watch TV. Peanut butter, jelly time, animated emoticon. Obviously just kidding. IMO, you did well. In that or a similar situation, I hope I can keep my wits about you as you did. Crazy people call for crazy responses. Being prepared was number one and clearing the way slash having a grip on your weapon was a good start. And MSB45 writes, At 10 feet, I would have cleared leather and went to a low ready cover or not. Tuller Drill says that less than 21 feet is a kill zone. And Jack76590 writes, That would be basically my response. Maybe pistol alongside of leg, but if possible, I would just continue to back out the door. Once out the door, I may have holstered in case of police in area. Don't want police to think I'm bad guy who just robbed store. Beyond that, get in my vehicle and walk to other side of parking lot and from very safe distance, call police. As far as women who asked if I was police, just ignore her and continue walking to door while facing threat. If person with nice goes after you, hopefully you have achieved some distance and you'll be more justified in using desperately. <laughs>
If person with knife goes after you, hopefully you have achieved some distance and you will be more justified in using deadly force if you are walking away. Remember, there are probably cameras of some kind in the store. And MD of two writes, Crazy lady is trying to make bail. You're watching the game. You done good, son. And that thread eventually devolves into some kind of an argument and is nine pages long. We'll move from that thread to a new thread in the DefensiveCarry.com forum, subforum, related topics, subforum, home, brackets, and away from home defense discussion in a thread entitled, The Home Defense Setup, brackets, long, really, by O.P. Oakchaz. Recent threads have brought questions on what to do with fake cops bashing in the front door or a domestic abuser doing the same. What seems to be the best possible way to protect against either or both of those follows? It will also protect against home invasion by less than Spetsnaz trained thugs. Is there an ideal? Maybe, maybe not. But what follows is what I consider close to it. For those of us who can't afford roll-down steel doors above every window and cages that drop out of the ceiling inside of entries, brackets the stuff of movies and perhaps the very wealthy. Fortify entry doors and windows. Fortify entry doors and windows. All entry doors with door armor or strike master figure about $100 a door, brackets three to five doors, most houses. All easily accessible windows and glass in doors with security film, $100 per window, max brackets DIY, let's say four to six such panes, brackets I have nine, but that's a lot of glass in a wall of windows, master bedroom door, brackets and master bedroom closet if walk-in size, solid core door, brackets if you don't have one, figure about $150 per each, brackets total of two if you're doing the closet, four to six blind deadbolt per door, brackets blind deadbolts have only the turn knob inside, no knobs or key locks on outside of door, as seen here, 14 to $20 each, equals $100 per door. Your master bedroom, brackets and walk-in closet if you have one, is now like the door to a safe. Several locking bolts around the perimeter of the door, even a breaching shotgun blast to the knob isn't going to get someone in. There are four more locks. If you are an accomplished do-it-yourselfer, you can drill the turn knobs on the locks and put an actuating rod between all the locks on each side of the door, engaging all locks on each side with one pull. A burner cell phone and a landline in your master bedroom. Burner cell phone is always on the charger, never leaves the room. $50, even if you never use the minutes that come with it, all cell phones will always dial 911 for emergency calls. If you don't want the landline, you don't have to have it but you better get three to five bars on a cell. Total outlay, worst case, equals $2,050, give or take. Add some more if you want a defensive shoddy for the master bedroom or closet. A lot of money that brackets would buy some guns and ammo, certainly, but you don't have to do it all at once. Replacement cost insurance for your belongings on your homeowner's or renter's insurance, about $50 to $100 per year. How does this all protect you? 30% of home burglaries, home invasions are through the front door, another 20% through the garage, about 19%, about 19% each from other ingress points, brackets, back door, window, basement. You buy time by fortifying ingress points. Lots of time, brackets, certainly enough to get everyone to the safe room, even if it was less than one minute of time bought. Probably even enough time for LEO to get here before anyone got in. Brackets, rural like me, not so much. I figure 30 minute minimum for response time, but the safe room covers that. 
Worst case scenario, in order of likelihood, several BGs, which means bad guys, come to rob you or fake cops at your front door or no-knock warrant being served at your home by mistake, all of which start by trying to take out your front door with prejudice. Bang, bang, bang on the front door, shoulders, feet, or battering ram. Everyone to the safe room, locked door. Designated caller goes to phone, calls 911. Designated defender goes to HD firearm, which stands for home defense. Trains it on bedroom door, optionally, with walk-in closet all into the closet, locked that door, gun on door, phone in hand. 911 will confirm if it is a no-knock warrant being served. Disarm, tell 911 you are doing so, and turn on lights and unlock doors. Everyone with hands in plain sight. Police will replace broken entry door if the warrant was for the wrong address or otherwise in error. Otherwise, stay in place. Continue talking to 911. Await LEO. Stands for Law Enforcement Officers. Gun on door. When LEOs arrive, confirmed by 911. Issue passphrase to 911. 911 relays to responding officers. They relate to you. Stand down. If it was BGs at the door and they stole anything, you have replacement cost insurance. You will get brand new stuff. And the doors will be repaired. But if it was BGs, they probably gave up a long time before Elio got there and never even got in. I know, you worked hard for your stuff. You have the right to defend it. But how many of us have gone looking for things that went bump in the night, knowing full well it was nothing, but we strapped up anyway and went hunting? I think we've all done it at least once. If you're alone and you want to do that, that's fine. The outcome is on you. But what if you've got family in the house, kids or relatives visiting? Now, as far as out on the street, this is DefensiveCarry.com. Carry whatever you want to defend yourself, but always carry and be prepared. These are my opinions only. Do what you want. If you want to blow holes in my plans, please do. But IMO, you'll have a difficult time doing it within the confines of reality. No cell jammers, no fallen assaults at all ingress points, no black helicopters and armored SWAT vehicles, or tanks rolling and popping smoke through the side of the house. Show me the flaws. I'm willing to learn. Edit to add. I know I've posted most of this before in parts. Here's the whole... Oh, my God. Here's the whole Megilla in one spot. Megillah is spelled M-E-G-I-L-L-A-H. And Dingbat adds, I like this. I will add that most areas have places that seal recycled building materials. You can save a ton of dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign, buying solid core doors used. We scored a bunch of nine-foot solid core fire doors that had been harvested out of some government building. I cut them down and installed them in every door in our home. I think I paid $100 for 11 doors. You can also get your deadbolts and sometimes even find steel great ornament window coverings for good prices used. I really like the multi-deadbolts on the bedroom door. I installed one, but I think two more are in order. Thanks for the post. And the old Anglo ads. My idea is a very bad dog and a 12-gauge auto-loading shotgun with double-zero buck. My steel doors are already armored with reinforced bolts, hinges, and two-and-a-half deadlocks. You may get in, but you won't get out in the same condition. And TDH1961 writes, I don't know if any of y'all have heard of a hillbilly deadbolt, but it is very simple. I drilled a hole in my floor next to the door so that a screwdriver can be wedged tight to the door. I have a regular deadbolt, but this just gives extra strength to the door you already have. Yes, it still can be broken down, but it takes longer. When the alarm goes off, it gives me enough time to get to where I need to be. If they decide they still want to come in, my alarm goes off if my door is shaken. And then it is time for my wife to call 911 so they can come and fill out the paperwork. And Farhan Wolf writes, one thing you forgot was a few pairs of earmuffs to save your ears when firing the HD shotgun while in the closet. Definitely would be worth the extra 40 bucks. Good post. And Oak Chess adds, 
Only need a pair for the shooter. Everyone else, plug your ears. If BGs get through the reinforced doors, the Master BR door with deadbolts, and are working on the walk-in closet door, you be fighting ninjas. Good luck. Actually, the final piece of defensive preparedness would be to have an escape hatch out of the closet. This was posted for my mobile device. Links may be for mobile. Deal with it. And finally, we'll end this read by reading from a thread in the DefensiveCarry.com forum, subforum Defensive Carry Discussions, subforum Carrying Defensive Scenarios, in a thread started by O2R1, entitled, Drunk People, How Do You Handle Them? And it goes like this. I've witnessed drunk people threatening others and even starting fights using their fists slash feet and weapons such as sticks slash rocks slash whatever they can find. Can I potentially get lock up for injuring slash killing a drunk person because he slash she tried attacking me with a weapon? Personally, I think being drunk is not a valid excuse to harm others and the drunk person should receive no special treatment. And don't tread on I writes, were you able to leave the area and alert authorities? And O2R1 replies, someone already did the calling. I'm picturing if I got caught in it by accident, such as walking into a park and ran into a violent drunk tard. And Meltz writes, this is a really good topic. However, I would say give them no special treatment because someone is drunk doesn't give them the right to attack anyone, let alone with weapons. Just my opinion. Let's see what others' opinions are. And Wielder516 writes, If a drunk person or a person on drugs is coming at you with a weapon and going to inflict bodily injury to you, you may need to stop the threat. But at the very second you see the person acting this way, you need to remove yourself from the area and call the police. Drinking or drugs gives no one an excuse for committing assaults. And Brad426 writes, Yes, this. The alcoholic's no excuse. If you legitimately feel you are in danger of death, or great bodily harm, you are legally justified to defend yourself. But as Wielder516 says, you should immediately remove yourself from the area if you see that a person is acting belligerently. And Exacto adds, The best way to handle this kind is to avoid being around them or places they frequent. Remember, the firearm is a tool of last resort, and that implies that you have other tools in your personal defense arsenal. You must use these first. Avoid, evade, and if you can't, de-escalate, retreat. And Smitty901 adds, I avoid them. Drunks and stoners are something I have no time for. If they are in my path and choose not to move out of the way, they will pay a high price for their high. And old PSU fan writes, While I agree with you in principle, your comment sounds aggressive. I don't think you can put a rational decision on someone in that condition. And Stormrider writes, There comes a time in most of our lives when we decide that the places where drunks hang out are not the best places for us to be. Plus one for avoiding them in the first place. And one shot adds, The problem with these drunken slash high buffoons is that sometimes they inhabit the house next door, or they like walking around the mall where your family is, or Disneyland, the beach, the movies, work, church, brackets. Yes, even church, the local family restaurant. They could be anywhere. Get out of the immediate area, alert police of the situation, stand by, and be a good witness. Personally, if they were harassing a mother with kids, old people, or little kids, I would be hard-pressed not to step in if things got really out of control. And Glockman 10mm writes, Don't ask me how I know this, smiley face emoticon, but if you are attacked by a drunk with no weapons involved, don't count on them feeling any pain, at least right away. But what does work, and I'm not advocating this if you haven't been trained, is a chop to the throat with what... <laughs> With only enough force to temporarily collapse their windpipe, not being able to suck air for a few seconds really, really takes the quote-unquote 
wind out of their sails and allows you a chance to walk away. On E again. Don't do this unless you have been properly taught. Yeah, in my younger days, I learned a few things by being in all the wrong places at the right time. Don't get into gunfights with a drunk. If they are a really good shot, they will hit both of you. And ghost tracker ads. I was having dinner with friends at Outback Steakhouse. 3.5 couples, brackets, but he had to work, but his wife joined us, all sitting at a long table. One of the ladies came back from the restroom with a sheepish, skittish look on her face, quietly explaining that she had just dealt with some very rude, inappropriate, sexually suggestive comments from a bar patron as she walked by. No sooner had she relayed this incident than a large, ogre-like drunk came staggering up and sat down with our party. I whispered to my male friend, brackets, sitting nearest to me, to immediately get the manager to our table ASAP. I then quickly moved to get in between the Jolly Green Giant and our woman folk. With the manager slow to arrive, I decided to get proactive rather than wait till I was forced to go on the defensive. I sat down as close as possible to the drunk and whispered in his ear. He quickly got to his feet and stumbled back to the bar. The manager then arrived and we asked that he best a little more aware of the clearly quote-unquote overserved wanderer. Everything calmed down and finally my curious friend simply had to know what I had whispered to the drunk to convince him to leave. I smiled and told him that I had simply said, quote unquote, no one at this table likes or wants trouble except me. I personally love trouble. In fact, I was hoping to find some trouble this evening. Broken bones, busted teeth, and blood make my day. If you don't leave this table immediately, you are exactly what I've been wishing for. Moving up and down, eyebrows, emoticon. And... T. Cox for freedom rights. I spend all the time I ever want to spend around drunks. Brackets. Years as an abused kid, several more as a bodyguard of a head security for a guy that owns some of the roughest clubs around and a stint in L.E. I agree with 40 Bob. Quote unquote, drunks are easy, but throw some dust, coke, or meth on the substance in the mix and then you could be in for the fight of your life. I was a small guy back then, 5'5", maybe 150 pounds, but I also had the rep for being an extreme badass. So people that wanted to up their rep would challenge me. Today, the clubs, nightlife parties, and L.E. work are far far behind me, but I still run into people under the influence from time to time while out and about. My rule of thumb is, if I see people under the influence, is go the other way. The only time I will engage them is if the Holy Spirit whispers in my ear to share the love of Jesus with them. And the last thing I'll read is by 40 Bob, who adds, Oh yeah, I fought a guy once on PCP and heroin for 10 minutes. One emoticon, kicking emoticon in the butt and knocking him down, emoticon. Fortunately, I'm a fairly big guy with a background in wrestling and martial arts. What works for me may not work for everyone. Okay, well, defensive carry. How many members of the Lou Reed's listening audience have a concealed carry license? I'd be willing to bet it's not that many. I'd probably be surprised how many actually do. Um, and then I wouldn't, I saw your gun, I'd be like, are you a cop? But if you listen to my podcast and you saw me robbing a gas station with a knife, just let me do it. I know what I'm doing. I need my gas. And also, my purse is gigantic. So, gun people? All the posts in this thread tend to be people have sort of a wild fantasy imagination for what we can assume is living in the United States and the constant level of threat that they are under, surely. Not everyone lives in a super safe paradise like New York, like I do. We're only one food right away from total chaos, as far as I can tell. But, uh, you know, thankfully, we have our super crazy, over-militaristic police force here, so I don't worry about that stuff. In fact, recently I had uh, the cops rang my doorbell at 1.30 in the morning to tell me that someone had broken into my car window and stolen a GPS I had in the glove compartment and that they had arrested the guy and they returned my GPS. Plus one for them. But other than that, perhaps 
most people don't need to have super reinforced uh, crazy home. I mean, I have seen video of home invasions in other states. I don't know how common they are. Um, that's why I'm all for tiger traps and punji sticks. Much better than guns, right? Having pits that people can fall in and die. Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure that that also is against the law. But uh, tough noogies on you if you fall into my punji stick trap. I don't know why. That's something I was obsessed with as a child. This is not an invitation to rob me, but I don't have a gun. I do remember my dad trying to get a gun license as a child, and he was, I believe, denied. But uh, it was because he was... I don't remember why, but he used to carry around lots of cash and had some radioactive stuff that he had as a doctor that he maybe been afraid, but I don't remember why he wanted that gun. Eh, here, neither here nor there. Anyway, uh, do you have a gun? Do you want to send me a picture of your gun? Would my magnet stick to your gun? Okay, so gun nuts, uh, defensive carry nuts. Lots of fantasies of when they're going to use it. I think the best thing is that everyone's advice is almost always don't use your gun. They all have it just in case, but don't use it unless, you know, someone's acting crazy. But how crazy? When to use it. So thanks for listening to that. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Lou Reads News. I bought myself some of my own coffee cups. So now I know that if you bought one, I apologize for how weird they look. <laughs> I think they look odd. So I'll probably just redesign or come up with a different plan for those. I hope you enjoyed them if you like them. If you got one. I mean, I think maybe a total of five or six people bought coffee cups besides me. And now I have a bunch of coffee cups because I bought like three or four of them because there was a crazy 50% off sale. Zazzle, so why not? It holds coffee. It makes me laugh because it's full of does says horrible things on the side, but if you bought one and you don't like it because it looks cheap and weird, I don't blame you. Right, if you like that kind of thing, buy one. Anyway, what else? If you haven't yet, please go to iTunes and rate the show. Write a little review. Every time I see a new review there, I go, oh, nice. Doesn't matter how long it is, as long as it's crazy positive. Okay, it doesn't have to be crazy positive. I think I have one review at Stitcher where the guy says nice things but then says something unflattering, but perhaps true. But seeing those reviews always puts a smile on my face and um, hopefully will be noticed by someone at some point sometime in the future. Not much other news. I got an Xbox One to play Titanfall. It's a pretty fun game. The campaign is dumb, but what are you going to do? It's dumb fun. Uh, besides that, zero else is new. So let's wrap it up. My name's Lou. This has been Lou Reed's The Defensive Carry Forums. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.